encourage you to open scripture to Ephesians chapter 5. We are reading today from verse 15 all the way to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. The word of the Lord for our hearts and for our congregation is the following. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am speaking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must, be res must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Amen. This was the word of the Lord for us, and let us pray for our hearts. Lord, on this day when we honor fathers, we acknowledge you as our father. We are your children, and those of us who are fathers, I pray that we would learn from you how we should be fathers. But for all of us, whether fathers or not, Lord, we pray that we would hear your word for our hearts. In the name of Jesus and for his glory we pray. Amen. You may have realized that the text we just read includes a number of ideas, not of all of which seem to be related to fathers. What does drinking, the Spirit, Christ and the church, husbands and wives, 
submission and love have to do with fathers? Why didn't I just read verse 4 of chapter 6 and not read all that long passage? Now, even though the connections are not apparent at first, I would like to suggest that there are a number of themes in this larger passage that we did read, and actually a larger passage we did not read. There are a number of themes that are preparing the way for Paul to address fathers. And there's at least three that I would like to evidence, that I'd like to mention from this passage, that really prepare us to address fathers, but they really prepare all of us, whether fathers or not, to hear the word of God. The first theme, notice in verses 15, uh, in verse 15 through 17, it, how it begins. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now this is the first indication of the intent of this passage. Be careful how you live. Now, this idea of be careful how you live really began in verse 17 of chapter 4, where Paul says, and, and notice the emphasis, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So this entire section in Ephesians is controlled, is, is begun by this first theme. Be careful how you live. Now, there's a second thought in this passage. And uh, Paul unpacks what ought to char characterize the way we ought to live. Verse 1 in chapter 5, if you would look at that verse, it says, Be imitators of God. Therefore, and then it says, As dearly loved children, the theme of father and children, is pervasive in this passage. As dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering. The second theme that is running through this passage is that we are imitators of God and we are called to live a life of love just as Christ loved us. A third theme that runs through this passage, and I'm just, making the, I'm just uh, mentioning these, a third theme that runs through this passage is that such a life of love can only be lived out through the power of the Spirit. That's why in verse 18, Paul says, instead, be filled with the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit. Now, to make sure we understand the contrast, what he means by this command, be, lived, be filled by the Spirit or be controlled by the Spirit, he gets very graphic. And he's creating a contrast with getting drunk. Now, of course, the, the implication here is not just to talk about alcohol, but it's a, it's a contrast that Paul is setting up, a contrast of a life lived under the control of other substances. And Paul says, don't do that. But instead, live a life that is controlled by the Spirit. These three themes, be careful how you live, live a life of love in order to imitate God, and live a life controlled by the Spirit, are three of the themes that Paul is, 
is hammering this second section of the book of Ephesians. And these themes show up in two major aspects of our lives. First of all, it shows up in our morality. That's why some of the first commands Paul gives based on these themes is watch out how you live in your life. Don't do this, don't do that. And and it seems legalistic, but Paul is not saying these things in order to earn our salvation before God. He's saying these things to reflect the salvation that God has already done in us. But the second area in which which Paul develops, and he says these three themes affect not only our morality, they affect not only our ethics, they also affect how we live with each other, towards each other. They affect our relationships. And specifically, that shows up in one's household. The relationship between husband and wife, the relationship between parents and children, and finally the relationship between masters and slaves. Now, I will not be able to address the third relationship in in this household code, uh, of between masters and slaves, but I would like to address the themes that are, affect more the fathers and the husbands. So therefore, I'd like to ask today, what does it, what do this passage, what does this text teach us specifically about fathers? And if you are a father here this morning, what does the text want to talk to you personally this morning? There are two points I'd like to make. The first one is the following, and I'll, I'll jump in with, to chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. The first point this passage is telling us about fathers and to fathers, if you're one of them, is this. Fathers carry out in the home the responsibility for spiritual formation. Fathers carry out in the home the responsibility for spiritual formation. Now, before we look at fathers in particular... The first point, actually, this passage says uh, to parents is that both parents have equal authority over children. Look at verse 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then verse 2 clearly states, children, honor your father and mother. Children are commanded to obey the parents, not just fathers, but mothers also. From the perspective of children, both parents have equal responsibility. Both parents have equal authority, and thus they ought to be obeyed, both of them. Now, children, can I speak to you? I know some of you are coloring and and are so quiet. You're, You're so good. We praise God for you. Can I speak with you right now? Just with you, not to parents, just with you. The best gift children, you can give to your father on Father's Day is the gift of your obedience to him. But I bet you there's even a better gift that he would appreciate from you. And you'd say, what would a better gift be that my dad would really like from me on Father's Day? Here it is. One father told me in our congregation, told me that children who obey their mothers make their fathers very happy. The best gift, children, you can give your fathers on this day is to give your obedience to Him 
and to his wife, who is your mother. So children, I want you to think about the following. I want you to think about one way in which you will show your obedience to your father and mother on this Father's Day. And you have time between now and lunch to make up your mind. And at lunch, I want you to tell your dad and your mom, how is it that you're going to be obedient to them? Because the best gift you can give your father is to obey both him and your mother. Now, there's a distinction in this text between children and grown-up adults. And verse 2 seems to allow for that distinction. Once children grow up and form their own family units, as chapter 5, verse 31 makes very clear, the relationship between children and parents becomes one of respect and honor. Now, for all of us who are grown-up adults, who have parents that are still alive, we may or may not follow completely in the footsteps of our parents. We may or may not like all the things they did or did not do for us. But Scripture calls us to honor them and respect them. Don't belittle them. Don't ignore them. And here's something else for all of us to think about. The way we treat our parents will be the way our children will treat us. The way our children see us treat our parents will be the way they will treat us as their parents. So both parents have authority over children and the responsibility for children is to obey the parents for this is right and for grown-up adults is to honor the parents. Both parents are equal in the obedience or honor which their children ought to give to the parents. Yet, when it comes to the command given on how to rear up children, there is a significant shift in the passage. It is no longer parents who are addressed to do something, but fathers. Look at verse 4. After Paul addresses children to obey both parents, father and mother, now he is specifically turning his attention and he's only speaking to fathers. Now, is this because we are dealing in this passage, Paul was dealing with a society where there were a lot of single dads? I don't think so. Instead, I think the reason why Paul is addressing dads and fathers is because there is an ultimate responsibility that God holds men for the way men are rearing their children and for the way men are leading their families with spiritual responsibility. In other words, the responsibility for bringing up children is not on the wife, but on the husband. It is not unusual for mothers to be the perceived as responsible for the overall education of the children. That's something our society sort of became very used to. After all, mothers might be spending more time with the children than fathers. Although these days, that's not necessarily the case when both parents are in the workforce and working. Yet, 
Despite what we might perceive about mothers being seen as spiritually responsible or responsible for the overall education of children, when it comes to passing on the spiritual heritage to the children, men, this command is for us, primarily and mainly. For those men who have young children, let me ask you this. Who's reading the Bible stories in your home and leading the prayer times with your children? Is it you or is your wife doing it all by herself? Now, I'm not suggesting that mothers should not be involved in the spiritual formation of children. Actually, in many homes, they do a much better job than the fathers. But just because mothers do a better job, it does not excuse fathers from carrying out this responsibility. I remember the words of one of my seminary professors when he was speaking on this passage and giving an illustration of his own life. He said in his time when he was a pastor, a busy pastor while his kids were young, he made it a point that regardless of how busy he was, he would be home and would be there for him to be reading the Bible stories and lead the prayer time with his children. And he said he did it because he did not want to communicate to his children, to his young children, the idea that spirituality is something only for women. Unfortunately, many Christian fathers have left this responsibility for spiritual development to be carried out mainly by mothers. And if this is your, the case in your home, I want to challenge you men. I want to challenge you fathers, we, myself included, to repent of neglecting to provide the spiritual leadership in our home. Now there are two commands given to fathers. What are these? Look at the first one. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now the meaning of this command, do not exasperate, is literally do not make angry. Do not provoke to angriness. Now, this does not mean uh, don't apply discipline. After all, the second half of the verse, as we will see, is but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it doesn't say just give, give the kids a free reign to do whatever they want, but, but it does have a word for fathers. Do not make them angry. The point of this negative command is this, do not rule over your children with an iron fist. Fatherhood does not give us a free pass to a kind of dictatorial, absolutist, anger-provoking rulership. I want you to do this just because I want you to do this. Instead, it is a command to form and model the teachings and discipline of the Lord. They're fathers who mold into their own children the character flaws of angriness and abusiveness. And dads, Scripture does not give us any warrant for such a behavior, even though you are the, the father of your children. Scripture does not allow such behavior on the part of fathers. Instead, it says, instead of provoking children to angriness, the, the command is bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. Now this means, application-wise, this means three challenges for us, for fathers. 
do not have many rules. But what you do have, keep them and make sure they reflect the instruction of the Lord. Number two, realize that not all children are alike. For some children, some rules work better than other rules. Be sensitive. Don't provoke your children to angriness by the fact that you are an ignorant parent who doesn't realize that children are different. And number three, and the more, more challenging one, children are, impressed, are more impressed by your modeling than by your instruction. Have your children seen you read Scripture after you come home from work? Have they seen you lead prayer or just pray on your own? Besides saying grace before meals, of course. Children don't often do what parents tell them to do, but they will always do what they see their parents do. Some say, well, I don't have time to teach spiritual things to my children, plus I don't have the training to do it. Pastor, that's why we hired you. Fathers, I am not the priest in your home. I may be the pastor of a church, but I am not the priest in your home. I thought this is a church's job. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have children's ministry. That's why we have kids' time. And Brooke does such a great job with them. Let me respond to you in, this, in two ways. First of all, the responsibility for rearing children in the fear of the Lord, is never in the, Old, in the New Testament given to the church. Nor was it in the Old Testament given to the temple or to the synagogue, but always given to the family, and specifically to dads, to fathers. Fathers, you are the priests in your home. How are you doing your job? Now, to those who say, I don't really know how to teach them spiritual things. I don't know how to lead a Bible study. Dear Father, no one is asking you to preach to them. No one is asking you to lead a Sunday school class. Just share with your children how you're following Jesus and what it means to you. Make it applicational. Tell your children what it means for you to follow Jesus. But if you claim to be a follower of Christ and do not know how to lead your own children in what you yourself are following, I'm not sure if you are following Christ. I'm not sure if you know what you're following. One startling bit of research conducted by the Christian Businessmen's Committee found the following result. A research that was done about an, a decade ago, so I'm not sure how dated it is, but when the father is an active believer, there is about a 75% likelihood that the children will also become active believers. But if only the mother is a believer, this likelihood is dramatically reduced to 15%. Fathers, if you have been affected by the love of Christ in your heart, in your life, Pass it on to your children. Let them see it in you. Explain it to them to the best you can. Help them value it. 
teach it to them, but ultimately display it, display the love of Christ in your home. God-honoring fathers carry in their homes a responsibility for spiritual formation. But let me lead to the second point, because the best way you fathers, we fathers, can teach our children and instruct them in the, in the fear of the Lord is by, the, by point number two. Fathers display in the home the love of Christ for the church. Fathers display in the home the love of Christ for the church. Now, on Father's Day, it's very easy for us to limit our talk simply to the role of fathers. But family affairs are one big bundle in Scripture. You cannot be a good father without being a good husband. As a matter of fact, there are fathers today who pour out their lives into the lives of their children but in the process, they neglect their wives. You cannot be a good father without being a good husband, and you cannot be a good husband without being a good father. The command given to wives in the passage that we read prior in chapter 5, there's a command given to wives to submit. And I am not unable to unpack this, this command. I wish I would, could do so, and I probably would at a, at a different time in the future. It's a beautiful command. Let me say it again, it's a beautiful command. It's not a suppressing command, it's a beautiful command. But the command given to husbands is to love their wives. Now, as soon as we compare these two commands, as soon as we compare these two commands, most wives, most women who are married, most, even most Christian women, feel cheated, taken advantage of. They feel that they got the short end of the stick that they got the more difficult command while husbands get away with the easy stuff. Right? Submission? Tarb. Rigid. Love? Oh. If you're here today and hold to this impression, if you're a woman, a mother, a wife, and hold to this impression, I want to I help you, but also I want to help fathers. To see the kind of love the husband is commanded to have for his wife. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And if this comparison is not enough, the verse continues. And gave himself up for her. The love which husbands are called to have for their wives is the love which Christ had for the church. And this is not a sentimental love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a self-sacrificial love. Now, this is not the kind of love that just buys gifts or does something for the other out of the abundance of resources, be it time, money, or all kinds of resources. The kind of love that husbands are called to have for their wives is a self-sacrificial love. Let that sink in. A self-sacrificial love. I wonder who got the short end of the stick? Who got the more difficult command? 
This leads us to ask the following questions to us fathers, us husbands, us men. In what way is your love of your wife self-sacrificial? In what way have you given up your own rights this week in order to express your love for your wife? In what way is the relationship between you and your wife a microcosm of the love of Christ for his church? In what way are you a showcase of that love in your marriage? What are you sacrificing for your wife? This self-sacrificial love, however, is not without leadership. Throughout this entire letter, Paul presents Christ as the head of the church, as the one who has authority over the church. And then he says, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. So the leadership of Christ over the church ought to be reflected in the home as well. But such leadership of the husband has no room, has no room for dictatorial rights. It leaves no room for a couch potato husband who comes home from work and expects his wife to serve him while he is watching football. You may say, all right, pastor, what does this have to do with parenting and being a father? Everything. Everything. If you cannot reflect in the home the love of Christ to the person you love the most, to the one person with you have entered into a covenant of love, how can you bring up your children in the instruction of the Lord, in the, way, in the most basic and central characteristic of Jesus? If the most basic characteristic of Jesus is to love, is to show His love for others, how in the world do you hope to pass on instruction about the Lord to the next generation who is living with you under the same roof and who ought to see day in and day out a vivid illustration of the gospel? Fathers, the first major test of fatherhood, the first major command God has for fathers is to love the woman who gave birth to your children in such a way that it reflects the love of Christ. For his church. So fathers, before you instruct your children about the Lord, show them the Lord in the way you love your wife. Remember, children will not always listen and obey what you tell them, but they will always do what they see you do. Show them the gospel in the way you love their mother. Now let me say a final word to those those of us who may have grown up in broken homes where the father was absent or abusive. And there might be in your own heart hurt, anger, bitterness towards such a father figure. If you're here today and you've had that kind of a childhood experience, let me say to you, there is a heavenly father who has shown and displayed his love for you and for me in a way that it heals all our hurts in a way that it heals us of bitterness, in a way that it heals us of angriness. 
And if you are here today and live with that kind of baggage, I want to encourage you to look up to the perfect Father, to the perfect Father who has given everything, His only begotten Son, to heal you, to save you, to bring you to restoration, and to bring you in a perfect relationship with that Heavenly Father. You may be here today as a single mom. You may be here today as a mother who has a husband in the home, but he's not Christian. He's not following the Lord. He does not know about the love of the Father. What can you do in such a, in such a situation? Dear mother, dear children of such parents, the best thing you can do for your husband, who is not a believer, is to show the love of God towards him. In this case, God is giving us a responsibility. He's giving you a responsibility to show, to display the love of God towards them. Regardless of the context you're coming from, regardless of the situation you find yourself in today, the major point is this. Be imitators of God. Be careful how you live. And do that by showing the love of God in your own life, in your own home. And the only way we can do this, dear friends, brothers and sisters, is if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why those three themes are crucial in this book, in the second half of Ephesians. Be careful how you live. Live a life of love to be imitating God and be controlled, be filled by the Spirit. And this shows up in the way we live our moral lives, in the way we live our, our day-to-day ethics, but it shows up in the way we relate to others, especially in the way we relate in the home. Men, fathers, the quality of our fatherhood does not begin with how we treat our children, but how we display towards our wives the love of Christ for the church and in how we carry in the home our spiritual responsibilities. Husbands, fathers, our wives and children will not resent our leadership if it is fueled by the self-sacrificial love that Christ showed for the church. Let's pray. Lord, your word instructed all of us today to be careful how we live, to be imitators of you by living a life of love, the love that Christ displayed for us, and to be filled with the Spirit, to be controlled by the Spirit. Father, that is our desire for all of us today, young or old, children or adults, men or women. And for those of us who are fathers, Empower us to take seriously the charge you give us for spiritual formation in our homes. Enable us, empower us, Father, through your Holy Spirit to live out, to display the love Christ had for his church in the way we love our wives. Father, I pray that you would make us, on this day we honor fathers, you would make us fathers a showcase of the gospel in our own homes. Pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus, for his glory and honor. Amen.
as the music plays. Can we all bow our heads and just spend a couple of seconds with the Lord? Um, let us think about what we've heard. Let us let that seep into our hearts. And let us make a commitment, men, to our wives or our wives-to-be, to our children, to our parents, our in-laws, to the whole church around us and to the world. Let us sing. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice, it trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and I will see how great, how great is our God. One more time. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God. They always sing how great, how great is our God. Amen. Have a blessed and wonderful Father's Day. Thank you for being here. May God bless you.